The coolest way to get through the summer heat is with a $69 AC tune-up from Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. $69 to make sure your air conditioning is working at peak cooling. Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all, because when you focus only on heating and cooling for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. And summer heat is when Vernon can show you how good with their $69 AC tune-up. Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. Online at vernonheating.com. Timothy, put the katada on. Timothy put the Cattell on where I Sarah Cattell and my co-host Timothy R. Andrews are talking hospitality bringing you solutions to the issues we're facing and inspirational stories from the incredible people who make up our hospitality industry family. This podcast is shared on all major platforms iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify and it's marketed on social media. Hi Tim. Hi Sarah how are you doing? I'm doing very well how are you? Very good. Thank you very much. Welcome good. to another show. It's Chinese New Year's and I love Chinese New Year. And we recently found out that we do have quite a lot of listeners in China, which is really lovely. So we'd like to wish them Gung He Fat Choi and... Xin Yang Kuai Le. And we wish you all a very prosperous and happy Year of the Ox. This week, we have an incredible guest with us. We're delighted to welcome Sally Beck, General Manager at Royal Lancaster Hotel London and founder and board member of Hoteliers Charter. Welcome, Sally. Nice to see you. Welcome to the show. Tell us your story. How did you get into hospitality and what was your career path? Well, I was pretty much born and bred in the industry. I'm a fourth generation publican's daughter. So I didn't live in a house when I was about, I don't know, 17. We've moved around the UK, various little pubs and hotels. And when it came to me deciding what to do, I suppose it was line of least resistance. It's what I knew. I'd bottled up before school. I'd done the pipes for the beer, I'd worked in the kitchen, I'd waitressed, I'd pot washed, I'd done all the stuff. So I went and did hotel catering and institution management, scraped a pass because uh, I discovered boys. I'd been to a girls boarding school. So. <laughs> and then went and did a training course down at the Dormy in Ferndown, which is an event hotel, four star, under a great guy called Derek Silk and worked for two years, worked around every department, you know, kitchens, housekeeping, night credit, did the whole lot. And at the end of two years, I really had this bit of crisis of confidence thinking, actually, I don't really want to do any of that because I've just been doing it all my life. And Derek Silk gave me the chance to do sales. And that was my career basically then stayed in sales and marketing with an operational background that I didn't really use, although it helps you in sales. And then from the dormy, I travelled for a couple of years and then I uh, went to Clipper Hotels and then I moved up to London, Great Western Royal, which is now the Hilton Paddington. And then I got approached from there to the Conrad in Chelsea Harbour, 
I was director of sales and marketing there. So to go from a knackered three-star in Paddington to five-star director, <laughs> was slightly, but that's another story. But yes, yeah, so I did that. And then I was three and a half years there. Then I went and did the reopening of the Royal Garden, which is so exciting. I and love then, that hotel. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then I'm traveling for about 15 months with my husband and then came back and took the landmark as director of sales and marketing in January 2001 and stayed there until I was encouraged by my general manager and my MD to shift from the landmark and to come to the Royal Lancaster as hotel manager, which I did to go back to my operational roots. Um, thinking that I would learn from the GM for the next two years for taking over the GM role. But I started here in November 2012, beginning of, and he dumped his notice in end of November 2012. Oh. So I had three months as a hotel manager. And then from when he left, he left in end of February. I was then acting GM of this 465 staff, 411 bedrooms, big events, hotel, central London, about to go into a £40 million refurb. In at the deep end, you could say, Sally. Yeah, slightly. That's my challenge. <laughs> you know, I, I did, I worked out it's not rocket science, took the job, and eventually with an £85 million refit, and uh, I found my feet as a GM. So you've actually got a very impressive career CV to date and you have won a Katie. So for anyone who doesn't know what a Katie is, that's our hospitality Oscars. And you got Hotelier of the Year. And from the back of that, I believe you recently launched the Hotelier's Charter. What is the Hotelier's Charter and what are your aims for that? I probably need to start this to that Hotelier of the Year award, mm -hmm. uh, which I was given in 2019 and it's voted by your peers and I was blown away no idea that you're even in this little august group I got this award which I was totally delighted about and I needed to make an acceptance speech so this award had been going for 37 years and I just found myself thinking about how the industry is perceived and whether it had changed in those 37 years and then I thought about a situation that had happened with my daughter, my eldest, when she was 15, and she wanted to come to our hotel and do work experience. And she'd got a mate of hers at her school that wanted to come too. You know, 15, we all do work experience, you know, for a mm. week. Um, so, you know, I set up this, you know, a couple of days in F&B, day in sales and marketing, revenue, front office, housekeeping, the whole nine yards. And it was all very exciting. And then this girl's mum put a stop to it and said, no, uh, why would I want her to be a servant? Oh, that thought, must have hurt. Yeah, I thought, oh, my God, how far do we have to go that people don't see the amazing careers that can be had in hotels? Yeah. And it was then, I think, about the public perception. And, and I felt that a hotelier's charter was needed to shout about the good stuff that goes on in hotels right. and in hospitality. I'm not saying that hotels are just the only brilliant ones. There's a ton of cracking restaurants, cracking bars that really do care about their staff. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a loud minority that think it's acceptable to behave badly. Basically, I did this big acceptance speech and then the following day, uh, I had the West London Hoteliers Association, which I'm a member of. There's many little hotel associations across the whole of the UK. And, and we just sat and talked about the fact that I had this opportunity to be noisy for a year 
as the hotel of the year and I'm quite good at being noisy and I thought well I should be noisy and we make a hotelier's charter we should say that we stand for good stuff that we do apprenticeships we train we, we, we do have fair transparent service charges we advocate diversity we advocate work-life balance we support local charities and local communities we support the modern slavery act and that we make sure our suppliers and do it all properly very few of us are, are on minimum wage there's a quick succession in our industry and they're not just 16 17 18 year olds i've got them in the 30s and the 40s they're doing level fives etc and there's career paths and succession planning i mean well done you for for using your voice as well because i think once you get this opportunity it can be quite easy to shy away and just think well you know i've said my piece in my acceptance speech but what you've done is you, you followed that through and you've made it real so those words are translating into something which is, you know, going to be very tangible for a lot of people. And I applaud you for that. It's incredible. Thank you. Because of the pandemic, there isn't another hotel of the year for 2020. So I've been asked to hold the baton. So I've got another year of being noisy. So oh, that's fantastic. Yes. What an opportunity. We've just launched. I'm really proud of what we've managed to put together. And it's all been done by a bunch of volunteer professionals, consultants that have literally come out of the woodwork and said Sally we love what you're doing can we help the website's amazing customer communications in PR for me uh, Michael De Jong is doing the sort of the databasing and the structural setup of everything and Adam and Amy from DHM have done sterling work on on the website so yeah we're, we're ready we've got registered hotels about 200 but I'm hoping that we'll swiftly get that up into the high hundreds or even a thousand or so. UK Hospitality is supporting us, Kate's on the board. The AA are going to help us audit. And it's general manager led because I believe it's the general manager that sets the culture of their property. Owning companies that own 20 hotels can't sign in. The 20 general managers can sign in. The owning company can become a champion in support but it's the general manager that sets the culture and it's the general manager that I hold responsible for taking care of their team. It will not take long before hospitality bounces back and we need the UK employment to be strong and we need UK parents like that mother, young people and adults to look at educators, careers advisors to look at our industry and think, well, that's a cracking industry to go into. But then also know there's a body of employers who care. People, those young people or new people that are retraining to come into hospitality to choose a charter hotelier because the charter hotelier has those commitments to that work-life balance, to that culture of respect, etc. that's really good. And it's interesting what you just said about the fact that there are lots of little small hotelier organizations and associations i think it might be quite surprising to um to a lot of people that that there isn't just one big one or that the hotelier's charter didn't exist before now but thankfully now it does why why do you think everything was was so segmented so many different chains organizations you know it used to be bha british hospitality association and then there's the the food associations there's the brewery there's you know now it's all bunched together in UKH, which is great. So we at least now have one key body and Kate Nichols has done a cracking job. But within there, hotels don't have a concise voice. And I, I don't want to be that voice. I just want it that the hotelier's charter creates some glue across the whole of the UK where that mm. voice can actually hear up and down. So 
Kate was instrumental at helping me put the 10 commitments together, working with her government agenda. Um, so we know that that's current, vibrant, and is what, what they're looking for. And then across the UK, on, on the website, I put a map where we've linked all of the UK universities and college that do catering and hospitality courses. And then the hotels uh, are populated across there. And then what I'm looking for then is that as the hoteliers join, say like there's a hotel in Newbury that joins, and he then says, and he sees on the map, the local hotels that are like-minded in his region. And they will have a Newbury Hoteliers Association. I can tell you now they will have one. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it is. And I don't know who runs it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but through the Hoteliers Charter, we'll find it. It's like right now in London, I'm in West London, there's West One, there's East One, there's Heathrow, there, there's all sorts. But they're, they're self-driven by like-minded hotels in their regions. In Manchester, Adrian Ellis, who's a board member, he has the Manchester one and the Northern region. There's 200 hoteliers in that association. So if Kate wants to communicate to the hoteliers, in one hit, she can do it through the charter network. Brilliant. And if the charter network wants to communicate to Kate, it all can be done. And then across there, you've got the branches of UKH and you've got branches of the Institute of Hospitality. So you've got the educators, the Institute, the association, the hoteliers, and hopefully the hoteliers will then work with their local schools and colleges to start changing perceptions and work on local community things that really matter. So if you're a hotelier listening to this um, and they would think, oh, I'd like to get involved, what would they need to do? They would go to hoteliercharter.com and they would click on become a charter hotelier and they would literally fill out their details, click send and they would get approved. And there's really never been a better time to do this because I think awareness across the whole population now of um, groups that, that are in need, which are within our own communities, is so much so much bigger there, there is that awareness that maybe wasn't there a year ago now is the best time to do it like we haven't been this low in our lifetimes and i don't even if in in recorded history perhaps what a time to rebuild what a time to actually put hospitality on the map as a proper career that it is yeah i feel like it really is the phoenix that's going to rise from these ashes you know i'm a publican's daughter from scumthorpe who's running one of the best hotels in london you know barely a qualification to point a stick at. I've travelled all over the world within hospitality and had a cracking time. And the world's my oyster if I wanted to, my husband's Australian, if he wanted to go to Australia and run a hotel, I probably could. And in hotels, we can offer 24-7 work, which means we can recruit the hard to recruit. You know, the working mothers or people that need to work night shifts because they're balancing. I mean, I've got lots of team members that are balancing family lives. We can offer those 24-hour shifts, you know, that whole night to routine that not not every industry can so for people that are either studying young families or all the retired that want to come down and just do some switchboard work we can do that so it's about advertising the fact that we are a really creative employer you know and it's not just housekeeping finance engineering i've got carpenters painters air conditioning technicians wood polishers of seamstresses and salespeople and we're like a little microcosm of the world in a hotel we have something for everybody and that's before you get into the chefs and the food and beverage and the finance and all the rest of it and the hrs you got all of it here 
But people don't think of that. We just need to educate. Absolutely. People, it's not just, I hate using the word just, it's not just being a chef or a waiter. It's everything much, and it's so much more. It's just, it's an incredible industry. What advice would you give to anyone considering a career in hospitality right now? I would say stay with it. I think in the press, it talks about hospitality being closed and on its knees and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Stay with it. This, this industry is vibrant. When we open up, the countryside will be more buoyant than the cities. So look for a job where the business is. Find yourself a mentor. There's people like me. There's a ton of people in our industry, master inholders, St. Julian scholars. Find yourself a mentor that can help you stay on track and get as much experience as you can. This industry will bounce back with a vengeance and it's good fun. It's really, really, really good fun. No day is, is the same. That's some great advice. Quick fire round. We've introduced a little quick fire round so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better, Sally. So the rules of the game are quite simple. We ask you a question and you've got to say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Okay. What's the first concert you attended? I can't remember, but I can tell you the one that stays with me is Bruce Springsteen. What was your favourite subject in school? Lacrosse, I was pretty good at it. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Be more confident. Believe in yourself. What makes Uh, you feel uneasy? Negative atmospheres where I'm not sure where it's coming from. If you could buy any type of food right now, what would you buy? A really nice, amazing barrel of beef. I've got two vegans and a vegetarian at home and I'm hanging out for a piece of meat. (laughs) Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm a bit of both. What is the most delightful word you can think of? Flange. (laughs) (laughs) Flanges and pipes. Engineering porn. (laughs) What's your weapon of choice? I'm not really an aggressive person, so I'd say a hug. Oh, I like that. Cat or dog? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Is a burger a sandwich? No. Salad cream or mayo? Mayo. Cheese on toast or cheese toasty? Cheese on toast. Pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? No. And that is it. You're off the hook, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Sally. It's lovely to see you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please share, subscribe and like. We look forward to you joining us in the next episode of Timothy, Put the Cattell On, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play and YouTube. Timothy, Put the Cattell On.